0: You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Amen. If you would, go ahead and find your seat, and we will get right in. I just want to start off and... um, just say thank you. Um, as many of y'all know, my family had kind of a rough week this week. We found out that Sally's father passed away on Monday and um, it's, been a, it's been a pretty rough week to say the least. We've gone through a lot. Um, emotionally, it has taken a toll um, and you guys have prayed for us every step of the way. We're so grateful for our Impact family, and uh, we couldn't have gotten through the past six days um, without, uh, without those of you who have been praying, just going all in in prayer for us. And I just want to say that I ask that you continue to pray for us. We have a, a week ahead of us full of uh, services. Uh, we have a six-year-old who is um, about to turn seven, going to miss her Papa, and she's just now getting to understand death, right? Uh, she's just at the understand, under age where she kind of gets that, um, all the intricacies of that. So just pray for us. We thank you for your prayers so far, and we just ask that you continue to pray for us. Uh, we're going to trust that you will. All right, so we're in the series called Called Out. So we introduced this a few weeks ago. Pastor Dustin kicked it off. And uh, we begin to understand what it means to minister to other, peoples, uh, other people. So we are called out to share the gospel, to go into the world, to share the gospel with those around us. And what does that look like? So that's what we've been discovering this series. Last week, Pastor Dustin was in Luke 5. And he, uh, he challenged us with the idea that Jesus came... Not for the righteous, not for the healthy, but he came for the sick, for the sinner. But we know that that's all of us, right? That that is every single one of us, no matter what we've done, no matter who we are, no matter our nationality, our race, our hobbies, our choices. Jesus came for the sinner and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, we are all sinners, every single one of us. So we understand that Jesus is... Jesus' work and his reach and what he's doing in his mission was indiscriminate. And for those of us who follow Christ, who call ourselves Christ followers, that when we go out, we should have that same mission. Regardless of who God puts in our path, regardless of who they are or what they've done, we are indiscriminate in furthering the gospel and proclaiming the kingdom or we should be, at least. And that's what, what Dustin kind of challenged us with last week. And for those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, that's what we're called. We're called to bear his image and do the same things. We're called out to be the same way when we spread the gospel. Today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 9. And we're going to be in the back end of the passage of that chapter in verses 57 and 62 through 62. If you, you want to go ahead and turn that um, This is one of the more challenging passages to to really kind of put out there because it seems like Jesus is being like super crazy harsh with the folks that he interacts with. Um, And what he's just doing is he's kind of lining things up in in reference to some other things. Um, Dustin offered me the opportunity to push back a week um, preaching this morning. And knowing the passage that we're going to be in, and A.J., I'm not going to read it for a couple more minutes if you want to go ahead and take that off the screen. Um, but knowing the passage that, that we're in this morning, I couldn't do that. There's no way I could, I could step back a week and, and miss the opportunity to preach this or even push off preaching this a week because it's important for us to understand that sometimes— As Christ followers, in fact, I would submit to you many times as Christ followers, we get tested a little bit in how we're going to push through situations. We get tested in a few different ways that we'll cover here in just a few minutes. Are we able to push through those barriers? Now, I'm a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. We spent five years doing ministry in Jacksonville. And uh, I understand the Jaguars are, are not good. They have a history of not being good. But I had uh, our pastor down there, got tickets to a Monday night football game. It was the Jags versus the Ravens. And the Jags essentially won uh, late in the game with a, with a field goal. The place was electric. It was awesome. And from that moment, I was hooked. I know that the Jags have been around since the mid-90s. They haven't had many good seasons Neither have the Atlanta Falcons, okay? So just to hit a little home if anyone's a Falcons fan. But listen, the Jags were so bad last year that they got the first overall pick in this year's draft, which I'm pumped for because that means Trevor Lawrence, one of the greatest quarterbacks to come out of college ranks, they, they talk about him in the same sentences as Manning and, uh, and Elway and Andrew Luck. And all, so I'm so excited to get Trevor Lawrence on the Jags. Okay, I'm so pumped for that. Um, but we were so bad that we had the first pick in the draft and all of our coaches, all of our front office, when it's that bad for that long, typically you have turnover, right? If you're not good at your job, then you're not going to stick around at your job long, right? So they, they fired everybody, the ownership fired everyone, and then they brought in a man many of you may know if you're college football fans, uh, a man by the name of Urban Meyer. You know who Urban Meyer is? Urban Meyer, Meyer, if you have a a college football following, um, you probably have a pretty strong feeling about him. Um, But the truth of the matter is he wins just about everywhere he goes. And uh, I know it's NFL ranks instead of college ranks. I understand that. Uh, It didn't work out for Nick Saban. Um, It did work out for Jimmy Johnson and a few other. Pete Carroll has, has done great in the NFL. But uh, I, I'm just believing and I'm excited for Urban Meyer as a Jackson, Jacksonville Jaguars fan. And when he came into the system, into the, the building, they began releasing these kind of uh, hype videos on YouTube um, just to get fans back engaged and excited about the offseason and heading into the new season. Um, many teams do that, but I've been able to watch them. They're like 11-minute videos. They do like once a month. Um, And the first one was just kind of introducing Urban Meyer and the coaching staff and kind of Urban's philosophy as a coach. And he said something in that video that I've got to say that when I heard it, I heard it as a football fan, but it planted in me as a Jesus follower. He talked about the difference between good players and elite players, and he talked about breaking through barriers When players break through these barriers, they step out of average or even good or even great and they become elite. Of course, it takes talent as well, but we're going to talk about this. We're going to mention this quote here. This is what he says in the video. The first five practices of training camp, your body's fine. You're conditioned for that. But what about after five? What about after practice 15 when your body starts shutting down on you a little bit? What does the average player or coach do in that situation? They step back. They take a rest day. They step backward. What do elite people do? They push right through that edge. Edge is where average stops and elite begins. You see, there's an edge that as Christians, as Christ followers, we have to push through. And we come out on the be- other side better than off than we were before. And that's what Jesus addresses here in Luke 9. So let's read this passage. I'm going to read out of the ESV version. Luke 9, verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him back, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. Jesus said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go on and proclaim the kingdom of God. And then yet another one said, I will follow you, Lord, but... First, let me go fair, say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. They come off as kind of harsh words, but I want to break it down for us this morning as to how we can apply this to our life, how we can apply this to our walk with Jesus. Let's pray. God, I pray over this scripture. I pray over this message. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that we would capture these three interactions. We would understand them and we would walk in light of them. Because we know the plans that you have are far greater than we can think or imagine. We know that fulfillment, true fulfillment, true joy comes from those moments where your mission is accomplished within our lives. So God, challenge us now. Hide me behind the cross. Let not any of my words be said, but, but only what you have put out there for me to speak. And we're going to trust you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want us to grasp what it'll look like if we follow Jesus according to this passage. And Jesus gives three interactions in this passage, so it's an easy three-point message for us to dive into. The first point, that I want us to understand, is following Jesus will challenge our comfort. Following Jesus will challenge our comfort. We've all been in situations where our our comfort has been challenged, where we're a little uncomfortable and we don't know how to handle that situation. Some are, are kind of tough and bad situations, but many times those situations are opportunities for growth and for development. Just as we go back to the quote from Urban Meyer where he says, pushing through that edge, pushing through that challenge and that discomfort is where average stops and elite begins. It's where development and growth happens. Is there anyone in here that is a gym rat, that you go to the gym a lot? Me neither, okay? I appreciate that no hands went up because I feel a little better about myself right now, but I'm going to say that when we were in Jacksonville, the last eight to 10 months or so that we were in Jacksonville, Sally and I were in the gym five times a week. We were working out six times a week. It was just a constant grind for our health to get in better shape to, we were eating better. Like I was like fit. I wouldn't say skinny I don't know that I've ever really been skinny past the age of like seven, but I, but I, was, I was fit. In fact, actually, I found a picture uh, from that time frame the other day, and I sent it to Dustin. I said, hey, what's missing from this picture? And he was like, I don't know. And I was like, my gut. My gut's not there in this picture. I was so pumped. I was like, man, I want to get back to that. A couple people have seen pictures like that before. But when we were down there, we were, we were gym rats, and it was tough. We would go in, we would walk out, our bodies would be sore. You know, oftentimes we would get done with the workout and we'd just be passed out, on the, not passed out, but we'd be laid out on the floor for a few minutes. I remember because I would often wear our church softball jerseys. I remember I would lay down after workouts a lot of times and I would just lay there for a minute before the next class started. And then by the time I got up, I realized like my name and number is like sweated out on the ground right there. Like I could stand up and it's like a, it's like a a body line or something like, so we went through a lot of discomfort to achieve the goals that we had. It was tough. Our bodies would scream at us every week. Why did you rep an additional 15, 20 pounds that wad that workout? There's no reason you should have done that. I hate you for it. That's what our bodies would feel like they're saying to us. My worst, like the worst thing in the world. I don't know if any of y'all, if y'all know what these are. There's like two movements uh, that, that I just hated them, uh, but planks and wall sits. Oh my goodness gracious! Um, so if you don't know plank, it's kind of like getting in like a push-up um, position, but your forearms are down on the ground. You got to keep your body level your backside down and you just have to maintain, it really engages the core. And like, same thing with wall sits. So you're essentially sitting against the wall, just kind of squatting down like this with your back against the wall. And uh, the first like 10 seconds, 15 seconds, you're like, this is good, this is good, I got this. And then like, second 16 comes and you're like, dear Lord Jesus, please, if you just get me to 30 seconds, get me to 60 seconds, I won't stop at Dunkin' Donuts on the way home. Like, it's painful. It's uncomfortable. But the outcome is worth it. And that's what Jesus is saying here to this first man. I love the way that the message version actually lays this out. I love this. It says, are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best ends, you know. Are we ready to rough it? Are we ready to be uncomfortable? Are we ready to face situations where where our comfort is, is pressed? But if we would just trust Jesus and break through that wall, we would find hope and joy and fulfillment on the other side. Our goals would be met if our goal is to, follow Jesus and to share his gospel, which all of us who call ourselves Christ followers or Jesus followers, that's our goal is to spread the gospel to all we come in contact with. That's our commission to make disciples. But oftentimes we get in these situations where it's just kind of uncomfortable and we just back off. I want to challenge us to to not do that. It's a rough road sometimes, but if we break through those barriers, break through that edge, elite begins. I want us to understand for for just a second. I've been in ministry a while, and I've 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 heard a lot of uh, responses to to like mission work and to uh, serving in church and to uh, making discipleship or men's groups and stuff. I've I've heard a lot of of excuses, and I've heard quite literally, that's just too uncomfortable. And I always want to challenge folks that have that mindset that something's just too uncomfortable. You know it's what God is calling you to do, and you know that it would glorify Jesus, but you're just feeling a little uncomfortable about it. And it's not that it's a bad situation. It's just that It's just outside of your comfort zone. What I want us to understand is think about how uncomfortable it can be to forgive someone who's wronged you. Who's maybe done some of the worst things you could possibly think. How uncomfortable is that? To give forgiveness. Last week, Pastor Dustin talked about being indiscriminate with the gospel. Whoever, whatever they've done, share the gospel. Regardless of how uncomfortable it is, we share the gospel. Jesus, in our mind, should have been very uncomfortable in what he did. Right? He left his throne in heaven, and I imagine it was a very comfortable throne. But he put himself in his flesh, and he, he lived a life that that we could follow and we could design ours after. And he loved others, despite the fact that they were sinners. He loved others. It had to be uncomfortable that he created this, this glorious place, and then sin was brought into it. It was absolutely ruined. It had to be uncomfortable for him to come down and face that. And faced the people that took part in ruining the perfection of earth. But he came down. It had to be uncomfortable for Jesus to take on a cross. Physically uncomfortable. You want to talk about uncomfortable like excruciatingly uncomfortable. To take on a cross for our sins. It had to be uncomfortable emotionally for all of the sins to ever be enacted on, placed on his shoulders. And Jesus cries out, Father, why have you forsaken me? It had to be uncomfortable. We're called to reflect the image of Jesus, to share the gospel of Jesus we break through our discomfort. We come out on the better other side better. I don't know if y'all remember the song Oceans by Hillsong. It was a huge song, I guess kind of 2010ish area. It was all over the place, and that's what the whole song was. Lead me out upon the waters. Take me out of my comfort zone. Cuz I know what you have is greater. So, again, I want to challenge us that when we are in a situation where we feel uncomfortable and the devil's trying to talk us out of that situation, out of enacting on spreading the gospel in that moment, that we live in light of what Jesus did. We understand that discomfort is, is part of the game sometimes. And that breaking through that's only going to lead to a better situation. I just want us to challenge and and live in that. So following Jesus will challenge our comfort. But point number two is following Jesus will challenge our convenience. Again, I want to hit the message version of this passage. I just think it connects well. Jesus said to another, follow me. And he said, certainly, but first, excuse me for a couple days. I have to make arrangements for my father's funeral. And Jesus refused. He said, first things first, I love this. Your business is life, not death. And life is urgent. Announce the kingdom of God. Obviously, this... uh, this hit home a little, a little extra for us this week. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Dustin gave us the out. He said, listen, if, if you want to wait a week to preach, that's fine. Um, he's a great friend. He's, uh, he's caring and he's, uh, he's compassionate. But I, I knew this passage was mine to preach. And I knew I couldn't stand before you next week having skipped out on this very passage. Our business is life. As Christ followers, we don't dwell in what's behind us, we don't dwell in what we literally cannot change. But we dwell and we exist with what's in front of us and announcing the kingdom of God, announcing the gospel. I love that. Our business is life, not death. So, just like many of y'all, um, with the idea of challenging our convenience, just like many of y'all, Sally and I live very busy lives. Uh, Genevieve has ballet. Abram's in the midst of of Bible, or not Bible, baseball season. Um, Genevieve's ballet once a week. Abram's baseball like three times a week. Uh, We have a Theo, and if you've met our Theo, you understand that that kid is like all in from the moment his eyes open in the morning, and that's early, and he is all in until his eyes close at night. And then his eyes may open again, And he's all in until he finally knocks out. We are busy. And all of y'all are busy. We understand that, that lives get just, they get going and they get moving. And we pack our lives with these things. And that's okay. But Jesus has to stay on the front burner of our lives. Following Jesus will challenge our convenience. Sally's a, a, another thing, just to, I, I always want to brag on this because I just think it's the most underappreciated, one of the most underappreciated um, jobs in the world. Sally's a school teacher, and we have a few school teachers here. And being a school teacher increases your workload. Like, I've heard the argument that they get summers off. That doesn't fly with me. Uh, and that's not because I'm married to a teacher and I see it firsthand. I've thought for a long time that teachers are underappreciated. Um, life gets busy and you have a hard time finding finding moments to to slip things in, right? To And then when you're approached with a gospel situation, and maybe it's inconvenient for you at the time, do we push through that edge also? Do we push through the convenience or do we step back and sit in what's maybe convenient for us and challenge us this morning to push through the inconvenience? Proclaiming the glory of God, promoting the gospel in our lives far outweighs inconvenience, maybe lost sleep. Our business is life, not death, right? So, following Jesus will challenge our comfort, following Jesus will challenge our convenience. Lastly, following Jesus will reveal our distractions. Verse 61, yet another said, I'll follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. He just wants to go home and say, I'm off on a mission, guys. Love you. Bye. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. It comes off pretty harsh. And I think this is one of those moments in scripture where it's kind of a, a sobering wake-up call type moment. Especially the first guy in this passage. He's like, him to call that out. They're just walking down the street, just out of random. He just, in probably elation, he's just pumped up. Things are going great. It's a mountaintop type of experience. He's in the presence of Jesus. And he says, God, I'll follow, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. And this guy says, Lord, I'll follow you. Just let me go home and say bye. And Jesus just kind of hits him with, with some truth. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Does anyone remember, do you guys remember when you're learning to drive? There's two ways to look at this passage. I want to break them down both really quick. Do you remember when you were learning to drive? And your parent or whoever taught you to drive, grandparent, uncle, whatever, friend, they would say, 10 and 2, keep your eyes on the road, right? Just focus there. Because they understand the importance, as people who have driven for a while, they'll understand the importance of staying focused, of keeping your eyes straight. If I were starting to walk down this middle aisle, but I was looking over there, I'd probably run straight into Paul. I would go where my eyes Start veering where my eyes were focused. That's why horses oftentimes will wear blinders, right? To keep them focused on where they're going. Because if they get distracted on the left or the right, they'll begin to veer. And if you're driving, you know that's a dangerous situation. If you're riding a horse, you know that's a dangerous situation. If the horse gets spooked or they see something else that catches them off guard, it's not a good situation. We have to stay focused on the goal. And what's the goal? It's to spread the gospel, to make disciples. We stay focused, in line, hand on the plow, looking forward, moving forward, not focused on what's behind us. The second way to look at this that I want us to kind of grasp is when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we leave the old self behind. We let go of the things that, that drug us down. We release those things to Jesus, and he works them out in our lives. We plow the field in front of us. We don't lean back on those, those tendencies and those sins. We move forward, hand on the plow, eyes forward. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. It's kind of a, one of those, like I said, harsh truths about following Jesus. In fact, the section is called is titled in the Bible in most passages is the cost of following Jesus. But what's the what's the reward? What's the reward of following Jesus? First off is eternal life in heaven in the presence of Jesus. And I'm just going to be honest, that's where I want to be. Like that's that's my goal is I want to be in the presence of Jesus and through my faith in Jesus and my surrender to Jesus. And trusting in Him as Savior, I'm confident and I know full well that that's what's happening. And I long and I, I'm excited for that day. But we've got to stay focused. And the reward is so worth the work. I love the passage out of uh, second, First Thessalonians It says, but since, this is Paul talking to the church in Thessalonica, he says, but since we were torn away from you brothers for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come see you, I, Paul, again and again. But Satan hindered us, for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. You see, the work that they did was their glory, was what brought them joy. I can't tell you how amazing it is to sit in a small group or to to stand up here and preach or to be leading worship and just see light bulbs start turning on in the congregation, to see people who are typically kind of stoic, start raising their hands and singing out to, while you're preaching, have someone's eyes get kind of wide and they're like, oh, that registers and that makes sense to be sitting in a small group, in a life group, and someone starts discussing something that you thought they weren't there yet. You see the joy in seeing the fruits of your labor. Man, when it comes to the kingdom work, when it comes to the gospel, there's nothing that compares. I love that that's what Paul said there. What is our joy? What, what do we bring before God as the positive in our life? Is it not the work that we've done for Jesus? There's nothing like it. There's nothing more fulfilling. There's nothing greater. I could watch Abram hit... 75 home runs. He's not there yet and he probably will never be. But I could watch Abram hit 75 home runs and nothing, it won't bring me the same joy of when he looks at me and says, Daddy, I want to get my heart to Jesus. Home runs, whatever. You can have them all. That's what I want. I can watch people come in and just take step, step foot in the church. And it's great. It's great to see faces. But when they approach you and say, I want to serve or I want to join this team or I want to I move forward and work as a team for the gospel, it means a lot. That's what, that's what Dustin and I as pastors, that's what we live for, Right? is those moments and those moments where people approach us say, we want to surrender to jesus we want to break the chains of sin in our life we want to trust jesus for it so following jesus will challenge our comfort it'll challenge our convenience it'll address our distractions but we know that pushing through the edge of those things is where average stops and elite begins. It's where growth, development, joy happens. So, as we close, I want to invite you guys to, to just kind of think on some things with me. Are we pushing through? Are we pushing through the discomfort? Are we standing on the, the gospel? when it's inconvenient to stand on the gospel? Are we keeping our eyes forward, focused on the cross, the work of the gospel? I think back to many times in my life where I've gone kind of both ways on those situations. And again, it's so much more fulfilling when we give to the side of the gospel. And I want to challenge us to investigate our lives and think of that. In those situations, go gospel, right? Live in light of the gospel. Do what you do for the gospel because of what Jesus did for us. So whatever we face, whatever Satan will throw our way, we lean into Jesus and we live in light of and in response to the gospel. Are we doing that this morning? Are we surrendering our comfort, our convenience, and our distractions? Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at ImpactHarlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.